Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode number 70. Today we're going we're gonna to chat about clutter. And Ryan, before we dive into the questions, I was hoping we could talk about two of these these articles that I was reading that we posted up on social media. I thought they were perfect for for clutter, uh, the clutter discussion in general, and they're approaching it from two different sides. Uh, two of the, the questions we hear most frequently are questions about sentimental clutter, especially like, what do I do with my parents' stuff? Or we even have the flip side of it. We have parents saying, I don't want my kids to have to deal with this stuff when I'm gone, right, mm. to deal with all of my, my clutter. And I, I think uh, the other side of, of it is the most common item of clutter, especially in my life, but I think in most Americans' lives these days, happens to be fashion. 90% of the people listening to this right now have purchased some piece of clothing within the last uh, 30 days. Wow. A- and then it's over 50% of, of the people have purchased something in the last week. Oh, wow. And so we've, we've become, we've developed this habit uh, of buying new clothes and, and new seasons. And we talked about this in our documentary, Minimalism. Uh, Shannon Whitehead was talking about how we've shifted from four seasons, or really, if you go back more than 100 years, there used to be two seasons, warm and cold, right? Right, Summer and winter. And, and then we shifted so, to sort of, you know, we had more, uh, more income that we could spend on material goods and clothing being one of those. And clothing obviously got cheaper, especially in the 80s and 90s when we moved most of the manufacturing overseas. So we were able to to expand the four seasons and then it became, well, what's on trend right now? What's trendy this year? And then it was, what's trendy this season? Mm-hmm. And then retailers got smart and they said, well, how can we develop more seasons? And then you have these fast fashion places where it's, it's 52 seasons a year. Man, they're really missing out on that 365 seasons a year <laughs> <laughs> market. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it's really unfortunate, man, because, yeah, we've, we, we've moved down this path where we, we feel this need to consume new things to be in vogue or to be part of the in crowd or to be cool. And, and so we end up buying things to impress people we don't care that much about, forsaking the things that are truly important to us. Yeah. So I think, there's, yeah, I think there's a few reasons why we go out and buy stuff. I think that's one huge reason. I think another huge reason is it's a reward, right? It's like I know when I was you know, doing the 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. It was awesome to like, I literally would just go to Best Buy and like walk around. Like, what can I get? Mm. What is, what, 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 is, what do I not have? What new piece of technology? It felt freeing in, in a way, head? right? Like, yeah, it was like, it was freeing, but it was also like this, I deserve it. Uh-huh. I've worked so hard. Right. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, it, it was a cycle that it, it what is it the the law of diminishing returns like it yeah yeah, yeah each you, time it felt it still felt okay but it felt 
less it made me feel less better each time yeah it's uh, that's part of it is the diminishing returns you know it's like you have a piece of chocolate and it tastes amazing and the second one's still pretty darn good and then you're like all right this third one still tasty and then it then it becomes this hedonic adaptation where you need it and we were talking about this in our last episode with with the values many, many of our minor values we we develop this habit where we need it you know for me it's coffee right now uh today marked my last cup of coffee for the next week so i had i've weaned myself down to one cup from three to two and then now one cup and the rest of this week it's no caffeine whatsoever oh my goodness you're gonna be you're gonna be (laughs) josh with a headache this next week aren't you (laughs) well i i i know i think because i weaned myself off very gradually so actually i went from it was like four or five days ago i had three cups and i went to two and a half (laughs) And then two, you know, I was very regimented, right? You could insert that, like the cups of coffee with the amount of drugs I was doing. And like, it, you sound just like me. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm totally, although caffeine is not nearly as addictive as like a lot of the drugs. It's just funny to hear. I've never heard you talk this way. No, well, no, I mean, I, I've, I've, you know, I do this once a quarter now where I try to spend a week off of caffeine ever since I did it last year. And it was it was empowering to me because I was no longer dependent upon it and it allowed mm. me to enjoy it a lot more. And I, uh, coffee is definitely a value in my life, but when you become dependent on it, then, then it becomes an obstacle and it becomes one of those imaginary values. And so thankfully when we go on tour, so actually when this episode comes out, will be the day before the, the less is now tour starts. We'll get to be in, in Pittsburgh and Burlington, Vermont and Boston and uh, Portland, Maine, and then we're going to 43 other cities after that. So if anyone's interested in, in coming to any of those, by the way, Pittsburgh and, and Boston looks like they'll probably be selling out soon. So if you're interested in those, make sure you're quick to, to get your tickets for those. But we still have tickets available for all four of those first wave events there. And then 43 other cities after that, all the details are over at lessisnow.com. But I'll get to enjoy coffee when, we, when we're out on the road again. So, and it's like, it's almost like trying caffeine caffeine for the first time again, where it's like that, that first that after that week off and you just have one cup. Now you can't do more than one because right. you're, you're just wired from it. And and so I, I like to do that. But I think that's an appropriate metaphor for other areas of our life, too. Whereas like we all you know, even for me, like style or you could even call it fashion. It is a value for me. I want to look good, but I also want to feel good in the clothes that I'm wearing. But then we take that to its extreme where I used to have 70 Brooks Brothers shirts Mm. or I used to have 12 suits. You got to work really hard to wear 12 suits. Yeah, man. I remember in the last episode you were talking about how you had the 20 paint shirts. Like when you go, you need to do painting or whatever. Or yard work or whatever. And I think it would be a a really interesting exercise if I would have just put all 12 of those suits on at once to just show how absurd... (laughs) <laughs> the 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 fact is that I have twelve suits now. Granted, if I would have had three suits, that would have probably been more than enough. Even though I was I was y- using them six times a week, um, so no, I mean you wouldn't put on all three suits at once to illustrate the absurdity. But you compare the two, and man, it's crazy. But I was thinking about this article, Ryan. It, it was uh, it, it's from the Washingtonian. It says, take a look at the outfit this DC woman has worn every day this year, and it's a photo of. Uh, it's a pretty basic outfit it's a blazer and turn and, that around let me see it. and some nice uh some nice pants some shoes and a, and a shirt oh that and is a lovely pants suit <laughs> i don't think it's, it's a not pants a pants suit. suit i'm kidding uh but let's see if there's a picture of here. here 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 she is wearing it 
It just looks like a normal business dress suit, right? Yeah. And That's stylish. And she did it for yeah. It, actually, she looks good. Um, and she did this for an entire year and we'll put a link to this article in the show notes. It's also on our, our social media accounts. We, we tweeted it and Facebooked it. Is that a verb yet? I'm sure it is. <laughs> now it is. Um, and so basically no one noticed actually one person the entire year noticed, and you know what the person noticed her red belt. So that, that the belt that she has right here is red. Let me show you here. I'll spin it around. So oh, yeah. she has a red belt. And you know what the person said in the article? They said that it's amazing that you can wear a red belt with so many different outfits. No way. <laughs> yeah. So no one really noticed. And it's a relatively simple outfit, too. It's you not like... The, I was going to say, the people who notice you wearing an outfit every day uh-huh. are like high school kids. Yes. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah. And, and not that like... I'm not saying anything negative about high school kids. It's just like that is the culture of high school it's like or even before that elementary school even i remember wearing a shirt twice in a row like in the third or fourth grade and it was like ryan's a loser yeah he can't afford clothes yeah it's like well no i can't afford nice new clothes thanks for (laughs) making me feel bad right but you know the other thing too is like i didn't really care until someone made me feel like i had to care yeah and and now the only time people notice it with us now is because we call ourselves the minimalists Mm -hmm. and so of course they start um, observing very close of, closely, they're, they're attentive uh, yeah. to our to our wardrobe, right? And and that's only because we're minimalists. If you and I were just normal, everyday people who didn't call themselves minimalists, no one would notice that you're wearing a black T-shirt every day, Ryan. You know, it's funny. My uh, when my family was visiting last year, uh, it was my two sisters, my two brothers, like my whole family came out. Um, my mom. And my sister's like, Ryan, like you've worn that same outfit every single, like she mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And she's like. In high school. Well, she's just out of high school. Right, right. And I'm like, uh-huh. And my brother was like, he's like, Joy, think about it. Think about what that is saying about him. Think of the metaphor. that. that and this is <laughs> my brother saying this. And I'm like, I never really looked at it as a metaphor, but it is. Like, yeah. He's like, what does that say about society? What does it say about Ryan's outlook on society? <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is much deeper than I <laughs> had anticipated. But I was like, he, he does make some good points. <laughs> You're like, ah, it just feels good. And I, I enjoy wearing this more than any other outfit, right? Yeah. And so you, you've developed a bit of a uniform, and I've, I've followed suit. I've, I've followed you on this uh, pretty much. Although my, my uniform's a bit different from yours. It's not appreciably different. But a lot of people will say, I couldn't be a minimalist because I, I, I don't want to wear all black shirts or whatever. And to them, I say, then you're not a real minimalist. That's right. Turn this podcast off right now. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Please unsubscribe. <laughs> no, I mean, I could wear a bright purple Hawaiian shirt every day if I wanted to. And I'm a, I'm still a minimalist. Like, Or I can wear, like, a, a good example of good balance here is Colin Wright, our, our friend at Exile Lifestyle. Are you going to talk about his Hawaiian shirt collection? No, he did have a Hawaiian shirt collection in high school, we're told, by his parents. <laughs> his parents told us this. <laughs> But um, we love you, Colin. He refuses to wear black because he doesn't want to just have a uniform himself. And so he all I mean, but he also everything he owns. If you saw our documentary, you see the 52 items, whatever it is that he owns all all around him. They ha- it has to fit into his backpack, basically. Yeah. And, and so he has quite a few different outfits, but he's able to pair them in a way. It's similar to our friend Courtney Carver, who runs mm-hmm. Project 333, where uh, when you come to one of our events, You'll know the people who are on Project 333 
because they're usually the best dressed people in the crowd. Like this woman in this article I'm talking about here, she looks like she's part of Project 333 because you have to choose the things deliberately. So for those of you who don't know what it is, you can we'll put a, a link to the project in the show notes or you can just go to theminimalists.com slash Courtney. And um, but basically what it is, you pick for three months, 33 different items that you're able to wear. Your shirts and pants and shoes and even accessories and, and that's often where you'll lose people with either accessories or shoes but you can change the rules however you want to i mean it's not a draconian system it's set up to be a template to help people out it doesn't mean you have to get rid of all your other clothes you just set it aside for three months and you wear these 33 items and what you find is you're going to necessarily pick the items that you enjoy wearing the most and then the other stuff you're like i'll hold on to this just in case that doesn't that doesn't get worn anyway, so it ends up in a box, and you can donate it to someone else who who eventually after this three months you've become untethered from the thing, and and now you're ready to to move forward with a, a better dressed life. Uh, yeah. The the other article Ryan was uh, about dealing with your parents' stuff, and it's actually called oh, we'll put a link to this one as well. Sorry, nobody wants your parents' stuff. It's called Advice for Boomer. The, the subtitle is Advice for Boomers Desperate to Unload Family Heirlooms. Dude, yeah, that's hilarious. Well, I mean, I'm just going to pause for one second before you go into the article. Okay. I think that people, a lot of people, um, when I say a lot of people, I mean me, but there's other people out there like me. <laughs> yeah, you're a lot of people. Yeah, I'm a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I uh, flinch when it comes to getting rid of some of some sentimental stuff that like I know will probably be handed down to me one day uh-huh. because there is a piece of me, a small piece of me that's like, I was watching the antique road show and that guy brought a beer stein on there and it was worth $20,000. Right. And it's like there are, and that's a dangerous road to go down, right? Sure. Cause there's all this perceived value um, especially when we don't know how much it's worth. I guess like yeah. if I'm talking to my 45 or 50 year old self, like knowing that I will eventually be given some of this stuff. Right. Um, a, like I need to right away go and find out like, is there value to it? And B, uh, if let's say I do get a beer sign, that's worth $20,000. Like, am I going to hold on to that and tr- like to increase value or am I going to like try and sell it and get the money? <laughs> so like, I would probably just like, auction it off or something but uh but yeah I, I just feel like that is for me was one of the biggest uh instead of looking at it like it's sunk costs i'm looking at it like with, with some sentimental stuff i was just you know thinking about like wow i know that i could go down that road and i might hold on to stuff thinking that oh my god if i take this antique road show it might be worth millions yeah, you know? it's it's the ultimate just in case thing right because yeah. like, it, it's not even That is definitely a non-existent hypothetical future for well over 99% of these trinkets that we hold on to, of the the clutter in our homes or our attics or our storage lockers or wherever. The vast, vast majority of those things are worth nothing. And so what we do is we, especially because we're marketed to by TV shows like that, is we develop the scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. If I let go of this, I might need it someday or I might miss out. Yeah. And it's that fear of missing out that forces us to hold on to those things and then not experience the true benefits of of letting go. And so in this article, uh, it's written by a man named Richard Eisenberg. He, uh, first paragraph here, he says, My father died at 94 in September, leaving my sister and me to empty his one-bedroom independent living New Jersey apartment. 
We learn, uh, we learn the truth that others in their 50s and 60s need to know. Nobody wants the prized possessions of your parents, mm. not even your kids. Admittedly, that's an exaggeration, but it's not far off. Due to the changing tastes and homes, I'll explain why and what you can do as a result shortly. And then he just goes through the the nightmares of stuff and and uh, so so no I, I like that I know it is that that comment is a little extreme but it does put it into context right because the vast majority of the stuff just like you know if I had a thousand items mm-hmm. there might be maybe one item in there that you know I could you know uh, auction off and sell you know you know what I'm saying like but but there's 999 other items that are worthless essentially exactly and, well I and, shouldn't say worthless but uh, that don't serve a purpose. Yeah. At least for my life. And then, right. yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. And so, so being willing to let go of the one thing that might serve a purpose, it, it gives you permission to let go of the other thousand things that aren't going to serve a purpose at all. And it's uh, certainly a net positive. Now you can also be, be somewhere in between you. Know, for me, when I was dealing with my, my own, my mom's stuff, I, I, I got rid of the vast majority of her things, but I returned with just a handful of sentimental items. And, mm. And those sentimental items made it made it easier for me to understand that by having fewer sentimental items, we're able to enjoy those sentimental items much more. And yeah. I get far more value from the few items I kept than than by watering them down with thousands of, of different little trinkets and doilies and and magnets and and other things. But I, I, I questioned, like, what are the five or ten or dozen things that I want to hold on to? And I can let go. I can give myself permission to let go of of the rest. And so he goes in here. It's a it's a pretty long article, but it's it's definitely worth the read for sure. Uh, he talks about the IKEA generation. He talks about mid century and depression era. He he talks about um, liquidating the stuff. And then he gives these eight different tips for uh, home unfurnishing. He calls it. And um, especially when your parents are around and you want to help them through the process. So I'll, I'll just I'll read the highlights from this, but we won't dive any deeper than that. Number one, start mobilizing when your parents are around and, and, and so start dealing with the stuff while they're there before they've already passed. Help them deal with it. Give yourself uh, this is number two to give yourself plenty of time to find takers if you can. I dealt with this with my mom's stuff. You know, I invited a lot of her friends over and basically had a free yard sale in her home. Once mm-hmm. I identified some of the things that I wanted to hold on to, I, I just developed the, this, say, come on over. If something's going to add value to your life, feel free to take it. You don't have to give me anything, whatever. If, if there's something here, then I think you'll find val- more value than me just putting it in a storage locker or my basement somewhere. Number three, do an online search to see whether there's a market for your parents' art, furniture, china, or crystal. So that's kind of what you were talking about. Like, If you've identified some things that are maybe expensive, you don't have to hold on to them just because they're expensive. You can let go of them and do something meaningful with that money. Mm-hmm. For me, so the, the, some of the higher ticket items in her home, some, there was some antique furniture in there. I was able to sell that stuff. I didn't get a ton of money for it, but I, I did did so locally, and I was able to take that money and help my mom th- with the two charities that or help the two charities really that that helped her with her chemo and radiation, mm. and I was yeah. paying it forward in a way because they helped her out, right? 
Uh, number four, get the jewelry appraised. Same thing there yeah, as the other, the other trinkets that might have some value. Number five, look for a, a nearby consignment shop that might take some items. Man, I did a lot of that. They're, they're a, a, uh, down in St. Petersburg, Florida. There's a bunch, just a ton of these you know, secondhand stores. So her 14 winter coats that she had uh, in Florida, she, you know, she wasn't using them. Several of them, a couple of them still had tags on it. I found a bathrobe with tags on it too. And so it was just like, let me donate anything that I can that uh, can help out. Um, and, and I didn't do the whole consignment route, but it, that is a route that you can do with, especially with furniture. You can put it on consignment at local consignment shops, make some money and then do something meaningful with, with that money. Uh, number six, uh, see if someone locally could use what you inherited. So I, that that's the, when I brought her friends over to do that. Number seven, download the free right sizing and relocation guide from the National Association of Senior Move Managers. It's a little booklet uh, from that group site. And finally, number eight, but perhaps the best advice is prepare for disappointment. For the first time in the history of the world, two generations are downsizing simultaneously. I would actually say three generations yeah. Yeah. or even four. So you and I are like on the cusp of Gen X or millennials. Millennials just aren't having it. Right. And, and right. there's nothing to downsize. They're just, they're, <laughs> they're just not upsizing. Exactly. Yeah. They, they have an upsize to downsize. Absolutely. So, um, two generations or three generations or four generations are downsizing simultaneously. And then, uh, he goes on to say, uh, it's a quote here. I have a 90 year old parent who wants to give me stuff or if she passes away, my siblings and I will have to clean up the house. And my siblings and I are 60 to 70 years old, and we're downsizing. This, it seems, is the 21st century lifestyle and death. I don't, another quote here, I don't think, I don't think there is a future for the possessions of our parents' generation. It's a different world. And I, I think that's important. There, there are some things we can pass on. You and I were doing this uh, Facebook Live session, Mondays with the Minimalists. Uh, yesterday and this person said do I have an obligation or a responsibility to hold on to these things so I can pass them on to future mm. generations and I think the answer to that is no we don't we don't have an obligation you're not responsible you can choose to but if you're going to choose to pass on some things why not be as intentional as possible so the people you're going to pass them on to can get the most value as possible from those things you're passing on yeah should we move on to some questions here, Ryan? Let's do that. All right. Our first question is from Brett in Minnesota. Um, I have uh, processed the space in my house and uh, got rid of a bunch of stuff. And uh, I believe every item remaining, you know, sparks joy, quote unquote. Uh, but really, the overall space still feels cluttered to me. Uh, what should I do next? Brett, it's hard for me to really picture what your place is looking like because, I mean, I understand you've uncluttered but you still feel cluttered so i i and you but in the same token you're saying that th these things uh add value to your life and at the end of the day like if you if you still feel cluttered like you've got to ask yourself is it worth holding on to if this causes stress or if it cause causes discontent in your life I mean, you got to be honest with yourself. And you know what? You may have, uh, oh, I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there like a model model airplane collection from his dad that he has that is cluttering up a room. And he likes it because it's, you know, memories of his father. 
um, so forth and so on. But if every time he walks into that room and he feels stress, mm-hmm. like that is a that is a sign. Mm-hmm. That is your body. It's your brain telling you, hey, something is, is still wrong. Yeah, if this, if this is stressing you out, what I'll say to that is good because it's it's compelling you to take some sort of action. So a few things to, to realize here, Brett, is you know, first off, it, it took a while to get the cluttered life, right? Mm-hmm. And so it also takes a while to get uncluttered. Now, for someone like Ryan who did his packing party, it still took 21 days, which was an extreme version of, of decluttering. But for most people, like even for me, and my, and my version is extreme for a lot of people, I got rid of 90% of my stuff, but it took me eight months to do that. I wish I would have done it much quicker like you, but it was really about identifying what is valuable. So uh, first thing, Brett, I'd go back and listen to our values episode. You need to identify what your values are because you said that a lot of these things bring you joy, but if they're also getting in the way of other more important joys and more important... Uh, things with with meaning in your life then they're not actually serving the purpose you think they're serving yeah and i guess i would ask like ask yourself how often is it bringing you joy mm. because you know i think about at a you know at, at, a, at a hoarder's terminus um where they've got stacks of newspapers and you know just insert crazy hoarding scenario there yeah cats yeah and like every time they pick up a newspaper and they're like, oh, January 3rd, 1996, man, that was a really, 1996, that was good. Like it'll spark joy mm-hmm. when they go to get that paper. Right. But the question is, is how often are they looking at that specific, you know, uh, headline or whatever that newspaper? And, you know, is it something that is bringing them joy on a regular basis? Yeah. I guess is really what I'm trying to get down to. Because You're talking about potential joy versus real joy, right? So if something I I, <clears throat> I am intentionally not saying spark joy, yeah, uh, which is the term that he used, because I think spark joy, uh, anything can spark joy, right? To to an extent, um, if you again, if you pick up something and you get like a little bit of happiness out of it, then that, that's going to make you feel like, oh, this sparks joy. I'm going to go and put it in this pile over here. But how often are you going to go over there and go through that pile? Right, right. That's the question that really needs to be asked. Yeah. And so, so instead of saying uh, spark joy, you, what you could say is, is it potential joy or am I actually getting joy from it? And clearly you're not. If you're still feeling cluttered and if that's overwhelming you or stressing you out, then, then maybe another question to ask yourself as you walk into the room that you feel is too cluttered or the house you feel is too cluttered and you look at those, those items, you're going to want to ask, would I buy this again? even if it was free, would I take this again? But mm. especially, would I buy it again? Would I be willing to spend the money, the time, the attention the resources necessary for this thing because it's not just the money that it takes it takes up space which means you have to have a larger home it, it takes up space in your mind so you, you start to have this internal clutter that's going on emotional clutter uh, mental clutter financial clutter all of these these different types of of clutter stem from the the physical clutter and so ask yourself would you buy it again and then beyond that you want to make some distinctions with, with these items if you look at many of them, they're probably just in case. If, you're, if it's that potential joy, it's a just in case item. Remember our 2020 rule, the just in case rule. Anything that's a just in case item, you can replace for less than $20 in less than 20 
minutes from wherever you are. And that rule is held up 100% of the time for me and Ryan. We think it holds up 99% of the time for everyone else. And then some other items won't be just in case items. They'll be just for when items. You know you're going to use it someday, but you're certain you're going to use it. And like Ryan said, I'd give myself some sort of timeline to look at that frequency. Yeah, like if I'm holding on to like a bandsaw or a chainsaw, uh-huh. and I'm like, you know what, this winter, I'm, you know, I've never used this before, but I got a good deal on it. It's sitting in my garage. I'm going to use that this winter. Well, if the winter comes and goes without using it, yeah, then, I mean, that's where me personally, like I would, I would give it up. And I just want to go back to the 2020 rule for a second. This is not uh, a rule of privilege like mm. I, I just want to be very clear that this is not like hey great uh so every day you can you know drive less than 20 minutes and, and pick up whatever you needed yeah. uh, for less than 20 dollars easy for you ryan you're spending a hundred thousand dollars a year on just in case items. <laughs> right uh josh and i have used that uh, be- between the two of us we've used it five times um maybe even fewer i can i can think of only a couple times i've used it but but, but the point so is I, is that I've you're used not it twice for sure a pair of scissors that yeah. I keep in my car. So it's actually a second pair because I'm like, I already have a pair of scissors. Why do I need a second pair? I enjoy having a pair of scissors in my car. I use it, I don't know, four, five, ten times a year. And it doesn't fit within a, a, a draconian rule necessarily, but I use it enough that I'm certain I'm going to use it. So I replaced it. And the mm-hmm. pair of scissors, you know, I bought from Walgreens or something for, I don't know, two or three dollars. Yeah, I know. I've done it with a toothbrush where, like, I always carry an extra toothbrush in my toiletry bag. Uh huh. Just in case I As forgot. As a shank, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, you know, how, you know how it is on the streets? Yeah, when we're on tour, sometimes you have to cut someone. On these Missoula streets? <laughs> no, man. Uh, I would put, keep it in my toiletry bag, like, uh-huh. just in case. Like, oh, okay, well, if I forget my other toothbrush, I have a backup. Right. And I always had the backup there. And then, like, when I was, you know, going through my packing party, and then the next time we went on tour, I was, like, trying to be as deliberate as possible. I got rid of it. Yeah. And it wasn't until a year or two later when I actually did forget the toothbrush and I was like, Oh, like this is where that, well, Hey, this is where the 2020 rule is going to work. Mm-hmm. But then there was this like, Oh man, like I actually would have used this as a backup, but I didn't feel bad about it. Cause it was, it's more freeing to let it go than it is to, like sit there and let that sit, uh, uh, yeah, hang out in my toiletry bag. Such a small thing, but, uh, I don't know, like letting go of stuff and, and not having to like worry about even that one little thing. It, it does definitely make me feel better. And there's some, something else. Go ahead. Well, sometimes those just in case items, they, they like the other thing that I remember getting rid of that replace. So I used to have like three or four pairs of swimming trunks, right? Right. Be like most people do, right? Because of course you're going to need three or four pairs of swimming trunks. And so I, I'm like, well, these are just in case items. I need only one pair. And so I went down to one pair of, of swimming trunks and that was great for a while. But then my needs changed. I started going to the sauna three or four days a week mm-hmm. and I didn't want to wash that those that same pair of sw- I was sweating in them every day. I didn't want to wash that same pair of swimming trunks. So I did have to replace those swimming trunks eventually because they actually became a necessary item that I was using all the time. But again, that falls in five in five years I've used that rule fewer than five times. Yeah. So it's cost me Same less here. than a hundred bucks over five years. And it's given me permission to let go of so much other That's clutter. pretty cheap insurance. Yeah, right? I mean, Just in case insurance? Yeah. <laughs> I dig that, man. We should start selling that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 20 bucks a year. <laughs> so um, one last thing before, before we move on, Ryan, is but let's just also... Uh, that, that that joy that comes from a, a lot of those items that usually comes from some of the memories 
that we experience when we see those things. But of course, the memories aren't in the things and the memories are in us. So uh, another quick tip is for many of the things, if you're having trouble letting go of it, you can take a photo of it and that can still trigger the memory that's inside of you. That can still you. spark the joy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I, do, I do have one more thing yeah, I want to recommend for Brett is the, the other thing you might want to look at, Brett, is maybe it's not the stuff in your home. Like look, look at your life. Like, like Josh said, go back listen to the values podcast, get clear on what your values are. And then ask yourself, like, are there too many, uh, you know, commitments in your life? Uh, do you, are you picking up too many hobbies? Um, are you spending too much time on Facebook? Because that feeling of being cluttered, uh, certainly, uh, doesn't just have to be in regards to your stuff in your home. It could certainly be with these other areas in your life. So I'm just, throwing that out there yeah absolutely I, I think a lot of the time it manifests in the physical realm but there's clutter elsewhere in life as well and if you deal with the physical realm it makes it easier or at least simpler for you to start dealing with the other types of clutter the relationship clutter the emotional clutter the health clutter and everything else that's that's going on in your life well, it looks like um, we will be in Minnesota. We're going to be in Minneapolis in May. So, Brett, I'd love to give you a couple tickets to that event. That's during the little uh, upper Midwest wave. We'll be in like Grand Rapids and then Chicago and then Madison, Wisconsin. And we're finishing that little four-city wave in Minneapolis. And I think Minneapolis will be the next city to sell out. So let's get him some tickets if he wants, Sean. And uh, if you'll reach out to him, I'd appreciate that. All right. Our next question is from Jacqueline in Michigan. Two years ago, I decided to follow my passion and have now made my passion my mission as I make money from my passion. I became a holistic health coach. Um, and so I help assist people, I help assist people through health and wellness changes. And it's been amazing. Uh, the question is over the course of school, I have books and papers and notes and tons of dittos and information that I obtained during school, and it's taking up more than three or four shelves in my office. It's so much paper, and I keep looking at it like I don't really necessarily need it, but I have a hard time letting go because it is all the information that I obtained during my schooling. Congratulations on pursuing your passion and, and really finding what you uh, perceive as your mission. I, I think it's great. That and, is awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful to hear that we've been able to help guide you in that direction a little bit. Now, here, here's what I'll say. I've got some really simple advice for you and this one's pretty straightforward for me. Can you let go of most of that stuff? Yes. A and the process by which you will want to let go if I were in your shoes, here's what I would do. I'd do two things. One is I'd have a scanning party. If you don't know about our scanning party, just go to theminimalists.com slash scanning. You can see the scanner that Ryan and I use to scan all of our paperwork and photos. Or you can use a service like $1scan.com. Now, I've, I've never used that service personally. We've had a bunch of readers recommend the service. I know you can uh, send in books or I think you can still send in papers or photos. But they will scan whatever you need have scanned and then they'll they'll discard they'll incinerate so you you're done with the clutter they handle the clutter for you and it costs only one dollar each per scan yeah i think that's what it is but I, no 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 way dude because yeah, if you send in a thousand items i'm gonna charge you a thousand bucks yeah i don't i don't know what yeah. uh <laughs> no I'm, I'm joking i'm joking we don't i have no idea what that yeah, we're, we're not affiliated with them in any no. way we've just had a few readers recommend them in the past and then second thing i would do is 
is set a deadline for yourself. Now, it can be way out there. You can get really aggressive. You could say, I want to tackle all of this within 30 days. And if you're prepared to tackle within 30 days, then you just develop a plan that you work backward from that deadline, basically. And, and your your plan should fit that deadline. No matter what, you've gotten rid of the, the paper clutter because you don't need it. You've, you've already realized if you're asking that question, do I need this paper clutter? The answer is most likely no. And for the things that you may need, you can scan, you can store digitally in the cloud, have yourself a scanning party and have some fun with it. Yeah. I think that's the most important part, man, is setting a deadline. I would say like that is step number one and then, yeah, work backwards from there. So you could also, uh, and instead of doing the scanning part or yeah, instead of like just going into it with the scanning party, you could set a deadline. Let's say it's six months. Great. Then like, Get your books out, get your notes out, get all your papers out and like really pay attention to how many times you have to reference those things. And you might have to reference some of those things. Great. That's the stuff you hold on to. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, if you're going to uh, hold on to every little note and book just in case, it's going to drive you crazy. And I'll say too, like the the other thing too, Jacqueline, is a lot of this stuff is probably available online. You can Mm. probably just Google a lot of this stuff and find it. You don't actually have to hold on to it. Um, also, Maybe she used the word dittos, right? <laughs> I don't even and, know what a what is a ditto. Uh, it's just an old, it's an archaic term for. Is it like a memo? Memos, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so um, you know, and I'm sure it's just used at whatever organi- organization she's. It's been around forever, right? Yeah. And so she's or whatever organization she came from, she just had that nomenclature. And mm. and the truth is that um, we we have technology now that that doesn't solve our problem with other technologies, but it does simplify our life if we use it as a tool. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, you, you can absolutely, uh, I totally agree with you, Ryan. You, you can get online and you can have access to the vast majority of the things you no, no longer need the paper for. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I was going to talk about to Jacqueline is how I hold on to so many of the same things that you're holding on to. And, you know, those calculus notes, eventually, like I just looked at them and I'm like, hey, I couldn't interpret <laughs> the notes, even though I took really, really awesome notes. Like right. I, I wouldn't, I'd still have to uh, have like a calculus refresher course to really understand how to, uh, how, how to, you know, solve different equations. But my point is, is that a, a lot of those, uh, a lot of the stuff I was holding on to, um, it was, yeah, I, I couldn't interpret it. The other thing too, is the books I was holding on to, they're outdated. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I guarantee you the textbooks you have, probably half of them are already uh, outdated and have new versions out. And they served a purpose at one point, sure. but they no longer serve a purpose. Same with those, those calculus notes. You needed them for a period of time and they served a, a purpose, but they're no longer valuable to you. So you can let it go and yeah. it's okay. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I held on to one notebook like after the packing party with like the calculus stuff, the quadratic formula and stuff that like was still kind of in, in my, in my head. Yeah. But then even then eventually I was like, I haven't looked at this in like six months. Like this is so stupid. <laughs> like why am I holding on to this? By the way, you can Google quadratic formula <laughs> and, and it's right there. <laughs> uh, What's the internet? Hey Alexa, look up the quadratic formula. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> sorry to everyone that just happened to, uh, anyway, Jacqueline, we, we'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection. 
of 150 essays Ryan and I wrote about living an intentional life. There's 12 different chapters about 12 different areas of life. And I think the chapter you'll find the most value in is the stuff chapter. So Sean, if you could reach out to her and get her uh, book book version of that, or if we have any audible download codes, maybe the the audio book version of that one. All right, our next question is from Holly in Pensacola. I'm completely in love with the idea of being a minimalist, and I could almost live with very few things, if anything. Tiny houses are appealing to me, everything. But my husband, he is a collector. He buys something everywhere we go, and he needs all the colors, and he needs, you know, ten things. He's getting better about getting rid of some things, but it's like, and I know I've heard y'all say, how do you live with, uh, you know, in your family with somebody who's doing the exact opposite with you. Well, you just do your thing, you know, and hopefully they'll pick up on some stuff. But what is what happens when you're the mom, you know, and you got your kids and their stuff, and you can't you can kind of control that, and then you minimize your stuff. But then your house is still so cluttered with your husband's stuff because he he loves all that stuff. So I constantly feel suffocated. Like I just can't all the different game stuff, a TV in every room, and it's just like I can't escape it. I feel like I can't breathe inside, and I've got to clean it. And he'll say, oh, well, that's my stuff. Don't worry about it. But I'm the one that has to waste all my day still taking care of someone else's stuff when, you know, it's not mine. I don't want it. I could live without it, but it's still there. I have to organize it. I have to go through it. I have to clean it. Same with the garage. If I want to go in there and get something, I mean, I could be just like, Everything could just fall on me and I could die because it's so cluttered. Like you can't find anything anywhere. And anyway, I'm just wondering how you how you live with that. Holly, it sounds to me like you guys got to get on the same page. I mean, the first thing I think of, like you brought up the kids. I mean, that should be a pretty uh, a pretty approachable thing if you and your husband have the same common goal, I guess. Like Mm -hmm. and and are following the same rules. Like the most like discontented homes uh that i remember growing up um including mine it was when i could go to my mom and ask her for one thing and then you know if she said no or said you know depending on what she said i could go to my dad and and get a different answer and that that is uh that is a recipe for confusion and Mm -hmm. confusion will typically lead to to discontent so first and foremost holly you've got to get on the same page now i don't think that that means your husband has to throw away all his stuff and that also doesn't mean that he gets to buy whatever he wants. But there has to be some type of middle ground to work with here. It's not a matter of like he has to get rid of everything or uh, he can just continue to bring in as much stuff as possible. But, you know, there has to be some sort of middle ground that you two can can get on board with. Yeah, I, th- I think I think to that point, Ryan, it's not binary. And no, of course not. That's how we see it right now. You're either a minimalist or you're not. You're either a minimalist or a hoarder. And I don't think that's true. I, I think minimalism is actually somewhere uh, uh, toward the 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 less hoarding side of this. It's it's closer to the ascetics on the the spectrum of or this continuum of consumption. You have hoarders on one side, ascetics who own nothing and and will live in a cave in perpetual suffering to prove that they can deal with pain. And and you sort of have minimalism in the middle. Now it's going to be closer to the side of of the aesthetics in terms of the stuff but it's what what you might just call the 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 more middle path the the more um intentional 
life. And, and I think that where, where we're, what we're talking about here with Holly and her husband is really a communication breakdown. Yeah. And what I'd like to see, were I in her shoes, the first thing I'm going to do is ask some, some difficult questions. Do we have the same values? Mm. And if you don't know whether or not you have the same values, you want to get really clear on that. Because the thing I can tell you is it's really hard to be married or living with someone who doesn't share the same values as you. Now, here's the cool thing. You'll probably be pleasantly surprised that you actually do share the same values. And if you do share at least very similar values, that just means you have radically different beliefs. And if you have different beliefs, the thing you want to do, you want to identify, you want to find a way to sympathize with with his beliefs. How do you get to, to, into his mindset? Now, Ryan and I wrote an essay about this called Understanding Others. And there's an acronym that we use. We'll put a link to the essay in the show notes. I won't read it here. But the, the acronym we use is TARA, T-A-R-A. You want to work from, you need to start by tolerating his stuff. And the good news is it sounds like you're doing that right now. But tolerance is a weak virtue. And this proves that because you can only tolerate so much until you break right? So how do you move beyond tolerance so that you can move to that next step of acceptance? You want to accept where you are right now. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you're accepting a future like this, but you want to accept the fact that you are right here, right now with him in this scenario, and it's okay to accept that you have different beliefs. Absolutely. And then beyond that, when you're working together, you can, f- you can move beyond just acceptance and find a way to respect his beliefs without trying to change him as a person. And ultimately, the sort of enlightened state of insta- understanding others is appreciating their different beliefs. Uh, a good example of that would be that Ryan and I vote for different people, voted for different people in, in the last election, right? I, and, but I can, I can not just tolerate the fact that he voted for someone else, not just accept the fact that he voted for someone else, but I can respect his beliefs and eventually I can even appreciate that he's getting there because he's, he's done so deliberately. He's getting to his values via that belief, belief path. And I, I, I'm willing to bet what is not clear right now is what his values are. And so he has some misaligned beliefs like I did throughout my 20s. I believed it, if I established a lifestyle with all these accoutrements and, and this American dream that would bring me a sense of security and, and freedom ultimately, but really it was faux freedom. And in fact, I was sort of imprisoned by the picket fence of the American dream. And it was a really well decorated prison cell, but it was still a prison cell. Man, is that why picket fence meant to keep them out or keep us in (laughs) and 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 then of course what happens when when you start simplifying your life holly uh other people who aren't experiencing real when you're when you're moving toward real freedom and someone else has the faux freedom they start to feel like your lifestyle is an affront on theirs when it's not real freedom doesn't work like that real freedom is is not binary and it's not a zero-sum game either Real fr- freedom, the rising tide lifts all boats, big or small. And, and then the faux freedom, the being trapped of the American dream and the stuff, that tyrannizes us because we're always going to need more. We're always going to feel the desire to consume. And, and that is unintentional. The other side of the equation is discipline and awareness 
and, and the willingness to, to walk away from the things that, that aren't adding value to our lives. And so I, I think that it's important that you help him identify what his values and beliefs are because, no, people don't, uh, don't actually hate change. They hate being changed. But if he's discontented by the lifestyle he's having, it may not be that he loves the stuff that he has. He loves the perceived outcome he thinks he's going to get, but the path that he's on, the consumerist path, doesn't get us toward uh, contentment or meaning or any, any uh, real joy in, in the most basic sense of, of the word. Yeah, no matter what, Holly, support is going to be so important for both of you. Meaning, you know, you did mention in your, your, your comment or in your question that he is getting better about getting rid of things. And that is where you have an opportunity to really show him how much you do support him and how much you appreciate it when he supports you back and getting down to that, that again, that, that hard conversation where it's going to be like, Hey, I really want to support you. And I want you to have the things that you want to have, but you having the things you want to have is, is really causing a lot of discontent in my life. And I need some kind of support from you uh, to help me not experience so much discontent. So yeah, at the end of the day, I think that, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of getting on the same page and and supporting each other because I'm I'm sure y'all love each other and, if that's the case, then then you guys can certainly find a way to support each other. Yeah, and let's talk about why he's getting better at, at, at letting go of some of the stuff. It could be that he's actually starting to see the light because you're demonstrating that through your own actions. You, you are showing, you're not telling. By the way, telling is never going to work here. You could tell, oh, yeah. you could tell your husband, I really want you to go play ice hockey. And he's going to be like, what do you mean you want me to play ice hockey? Why can't I ever get you to play ice hockey? I don't, I don't want to play ice hockey. And it's the same thing with with uh, with decluttering. Now, uh, if if you actually wanted him to play ice hockey with you, the best way to do it would be to show the benefits uh, of that. Like we get to spend time together. It's really good exercise. It's a team sport. Yeah, whatever. And it's gonna be harder in Pensacola to probably play ice hockey. But you get my point. It it really has to do with with displaying the benefits so that he sees them and is then drawn toward them. It's much easier if he's following you toward the minimalist path than if you're dragging him, kicking and screaming down that path at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, then, and then if you do find that you, your values aren't similar enough, uh, then it's also important to set up some boundaries. So Ryan just said that, you know what, the stuff that you're cluttering the house with is is uh, is discontenting me i feel discontented by by this clutter and i really need your help would you be willing to help yeah and i think that's the perfect way to say it too because to say your clutter is making me discontented it's more about like hey this clutter yes because right. using yeah using the uh, that's i think it's really important holly like when you're having these conversations or for anyone else out there when you're having a conversation you're trying to persuade someone to uh, to support you or to get on your side, don't use the word you. Yes. Unless it's a compliment. Well, yeah, the, the, the correct possessive determiner is either our, because then you're taking some ownership as well, because it is our house, right? Yep. And, or you can say you know, this, uh, and, and then you can help steer him in that direction, but ultimately he's going to have to follow you there. And that question... Would you be willing to help? Yeah, that's a great question. What's he going to say? Hell no. Screw you. I don't want to help you. 
No, of course not. He cares about you. If he loves you, of course he's willing to help. Mm. And I think that's the path you have to go down. Of course, none of this is easy, but it is simpler than you think. And, and you, the last thing I want to talk about here is where are you similar? When you've sat down, you've done the values exercise, you can get that values worksheet that I talked about in the, the last episode. You, you can uh, figure out also where you're similar. Because too often we, 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 we try to say, here are the 20% of the things that are different about us. Well, guess what? The difference is what create a passionate relationship most of the time. If you were just the exact same as your partner, then why would you need your partner anyway, right? And, and so it, it really has to do with, with where are we dissimilar. You'll identify that. But then there's this other 80% of what, what is similar, can we focus on improving that? That's the good stuff. And if we improve that, often necessarily you edge out those those areas of discontent. Hmm. And yeah. uh, in terms of those values, I would love to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. That's the book that Ryan and I wrote about the, the five foundational values in our lives, health, relationships, passion, and creativity, and then also uh, growth and contribution. So I know that sounds like six, but passion slash creativity, I should say. All six of our five values. <laughs> <laughs> this is a maths podcast. <laughs> That's right. So I, I think you and your husband will both find a lot of value in, in that, and especially sitting down, uh, determining your values. Go back and listen to episode 69 about values. And Sean, if you reach out to her, give her the book book version, or if she would like the audio book version, if we have any more audible download codes, I would appreciate that. All right, well, we'd love to hear what y'all have to say about clutter. So if you have a comment or tip, including any advice for our callers today, then leave us a voicemail at 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. All right, Josh, you know what time it is. It's time to move on to our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at the Minimalists and Facebook.com slash the Minimalists during our lightning round. This is where Ryan and I both do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We'll also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. All right, our first question is from Alexandra. Clutter is different for everyone. How do each of you define clutter? All right, so my, my short answer to this one is clutter is like pornography and sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> you know it when you see it. Well, like pornographic sandwiches or like... No, no, these are two separate things. Oh. So is a hot dog a sandwich, Ryan? You just blew my mind. <laughs> I need an answer. <laughs> I don't know. So, okay. So is a ham sandwich a sandwich? <laughs> we'll start there. Yes. Okay. Ham sandwich is a sandwich. I guess a hot dog is a sandwich. Well, hold on. Hold on. So is a hamburger a sandwich? So, so this is cool. Like most of us, on 99% of the things we can agree are sandwich. If, if, if I put a hundred things that I would call sandwiches in front of you that I think are sandwiches, you're probably going to think 98% of them are sandwiches right the thing that i think is a sandwich you're also going to think is a sandwich <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right okay but then there will be one or two things where you're like, if i put a hot dog in front of you you might be like 
That's not a sandwich. That's a hot dog. And I might say, well, yeah, it's a, I think a hot dog's a sandwich. It's a sub sandwich. <laughs> and and so well, and that's another thing is a thirty foot long subway sandwich a sandwich because you can't actually hold that with two hands. So maybe it is or isn't a sandwich. My my point is we're going to agree on the fundamentals of a and sandwich. Then, and then occasionally we'll disagree about what some things are. Uh, and I think the same is true with pornography. I remember uh, when I got on Tumblr years ago and, and had a Tumblr account, like I would see this really like artistic photos of two people like making out. And I'm like, oh, that's like really like sensual and sensuous photography, artwork. And then you'd fall down that rabbit hole and eventually you're like, I think I'm just looking at porn right now. <laughs> and, 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 and so the lines get blurred at some point, but generally, if, if I were to show you a, a, a porn video, Ryan, you're going to say, that's porn. Right. And, and I don't need to have a definition around a sandwich or a definition around pornography to know what a sandwich is or to know what porn is. But when you see clutter, you know that it's clutter. Now, some of us might have disagreements around the fray, you know, know that some people might because uh, I prefer a relatively stark house, right? Um, but it's just extremely tidy. Now, some people might say, no, I don't think having 17 plants in my living room is clutter. That's fine. I have two plants in my living room. And, and so we can disagree about the fray. But generally, when you see clutter, you know clutter. Yeah, that's a, that is the truth. I saw a Facebook post or a tweet. I forget what it was. But someone asked, is cereal another form of soup? <laughs> but we mind. can all agree that cereal is not a sandwich we can all agree that cereal is definitely not a sandwich yeah okay all right my answer is if you feel like your life is cluttered that's a clear sign to take action all right our next question is from namesh at what point does buying consumables such as groceries and household products become unhealthy clutter all right, my pretty short answer to that is this is a very jo Johnny Cochran-esque answer. If it doesn't fit, you must quit. <laughs> and, and I mean, you can I, tell we're '90s kids. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, it's it's interesting because it, it it this one is is highly individual, and it also kind of depends on your space as well. Like I could go to to whatever the the bulk store is, Sam's Club or Costco or whatever and buy a case of 48 paper towels. But that would be clutter for me because I don't have the space to store 48 paper towels. Now, for some reason, you moved into some place and has this huge pantry where you can keep 48 things of paper towels and you know you're going to use them over the course of the next year or just whatever. Just for when, not just in case. Yeah. Right, they're just for when items. Then I think that's okay. But but I think it is perspectival in the sense that it depends on your lifestyle. It depends on your space as well. Yeah. So I think about Colin, for example. He travels to a new country every four months. He's not going to own many paper towels at all, right? Because it would make sense for him to fill up his backpack with paper towels. <laughs> And, and so th buying virtually any consumables beyond the bare necessities for him becomes unhealthy clutter. Yeah. You got to, you got to set some rules up in mesh, like be honest with yourself. Um, yeah. Pick a space. Uh, th that's one way to set up rules. Pick a space, uh, designate that space for your, uh, for your 
overages or, you know, whatever it may be that you're going to keep just for one. But I mean, that would be my biggest piece of advice is like just set up, set up some rules. But here's, here's and, my and pity. also just on top of that, Ryan, if yeah. you have the empty space, it doesn't mean that you're required to fill it of either. Course. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, just playing off of that point. Like I love how, uh, you know, Frank in our documentary talked about how people cram a life into a space instead of getting a space for their life. Right. And right, yeah, right. if you've got more space than what your life, uh, than what fits in your life, like, yeah, don't feel obligated to have to cram more life into that space. Yeah. Just it's because okay. you have a nook or it's a cranny. It's okay to have an empty drawer. It's, you know, like for, I used to never have an empty drawer. If, if I had an empty drawer, that was my other, that was my next junk drawer. Right. You know? Right. Like <laughs> that, potential junk. <laughs> potential junk drawer. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so if you have a nook or if you have a cranny, you don't necessarily need to fill them. All right, uh, my pithy answer is hoarding is hoarding no matter what thing you're hoarding. Mm, so true. All right, our next question is from Karen. Why, after three months of decluttering, do I still feel cluttered? All right, my, my short tweetable answer for this one, Karen, is loosen your grip. Massive clutter requires massive amounts of hashtag let go. <laughs> See, it's tweetable, right? Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, it does require massive amounts of 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 let go or the ability uh, let go meaning the ability to to let go. And so, if you have a if you still have a lot of clutter, you have to continue to let go and anything that you're holding on to too tightly, just loosen your grip. Um I I would just ask this question, Karen. What could you let go of to feel less cluttered? Just to, uh, you know, talk, oh, I guess I should have put, <laughs> what can you hashtag let go of? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, my, my point is, is that, you know, if you've got this, I'm just going to go back to the collection of model airplanes mm -hmm. that meant a lot to someone else. So therefore you think it should mean a lot to you, but it's causing you stress and you still feel like your life is cluttered. Well, like that to me is a clear sign to let that go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you can identify the easier stuff first. You don't want to start with the difficult things. They'll, yeah. they'll get in the way. There are many things that are easy to let go of. You know, they're in the way that when, so when Ryan asks you that question, you'll, you'll instantly have a dozen things pop in your head. Like, Oh, that big orange sweatshirt is in the back of the closet. I've never worn. Let's start, get rid of it. Yeah. And then, you know, go and start in the kitchen with the 20 packs of ketchup that you're holding on to. Yeah. The 30 <laughs> coffee mugs. When you have 30 why, people over. Yeah. I don't know why I do, but I did have a, like a con, like that was one of my junk drawers. It was like a random condiments that like I would get and wouldn't use, but I still had condiments in my fridge, but there was like a piece of me. I'm like, I'm going to hold on these 30 packs of ketchup <laughs> just in case. Oh yeah. Um, Danielle, she wants to know, does a collection of something personal to you count as clutter? All right. My short answer is often collecting is well-planned hoarding. My answer is one man's collection is another man's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I think about this, I used to collect a lot of things, but really it, it was just organized hoarding in a way. Now, does it mean I'm against all collections? No. If you get value from something, by all means, hold on to it. But just be honest with yourself. Make sure you are truly getting value from it because having fewer things means you will actually get far more value from those fewer things. Yeah. And by the way, Danielle, we're not like the clutter police. We're not the minimalist police. 
dot com patent pending. <laughs> Someone's gonna go buy that right now. Yeah. Um, but but you know, like we are here to um, tell you that it's okay to do what you feel like is right for your life. And Danielle, if you have a collection that you feel like if it's a collection of books and like you love the books and how they smell and loaning them out to friends and having conversations about them, great. Like keep your books, but but you know you you know you've got to look in the mirror and ask yourself: Is it cluttering your life or is it adding value? Our last question is from Helen. What are tips for dealing with incoming clutter, such as mail, email, gifts, etc.? The less we let in, the less we have to let go. Hey, Helen. 2001 called, and they want their junk mail back. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you're getting junk mail still, then you just haven't taken the right steps to eliminate it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can go to... Uh, theminimalist.com forward slash day 14 and 15. We, we talk about, um, you can sign up for, um, yeah. Getting rid of your junk mail, that the physical junk mail. And then yeah, you can also like get DMA on choice no and soliciting like the, uh, you know, anti, uh, email, a- anti junk email or phone calls. You can sign up for that stuff too. Yeah. You can go to unroll.me as well to, to get rid of a bunch of uh, junk email that's coming your way. And then so, yeah, just go to the, uh, our 21-day journey over at theminimalists.com. You can, you can take a look at uh, day 14 and day 15 where we talk about dealing with some digital clutter, but then we also talk about dealing with that the hordes of physical mail that's coming in, and you can eliminate 80 or 90% of it by, by getting off of some of these lists. Yeah, dude, I literally get – I'll check my mailbox every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariah has done this, signed up for the same stuff. Um, I would say out of – the what six days a week that the mail gets delivered i might have mail two days out of the week mm. and it's usually stuff i need yeah i i will get like the occasional somehow they still slip like every every once in a while you'll get something or like you know uh it'll be the cable company like hey current you're right. resident yeah yeah so yeah current resident yeah but anyway um but for the most part like it eliminated 99 percent of the junk mail i was getting yeah for sure cool all right. Uh, well, well, hold on. I wanted to bring up one thing too. She talks about gifts, so this is a little bit different because you can't really sign up for a no gift list, patent uh, pending. <laughs> we could, we could create that. Oh, dude, that would be awesome. A website. Don't get me any gifts. Yeah. Dot net. Dot net. <laughs> but when it comes to gifts, Helen, like, and we have, uh, we've done a couple episodes. I think we did a gift giving podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you could definitely check that out. I don't know what number that is off the top of my head, but we'll put that in the show notes for you, Helen. I think it's 38. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right because <laughs> this is a math podcast. <laughs> um, but here's what I'll say, Helen. You've got to set those boundaries. You've got to tell people what... what, what uh, oh, I'm trying not to sound like a jerk here, but you've got to set the expectation. You've got you to tell people what your expectation is in the sense of like, hey, I don't want to bring clutter into my home. Right. Um, I'm happy for you to give me a gift. If you're not going to gift me a consumable or, you know, something that I, that I'm going to use, like, I'm just going to ask you to please not give me a gift. Just spend time with me. Yeah. But, and I, I would, I would just frame it a little bit different from that. Of course. Of I, I, course. I would say that I was trying to find a way to frame it better, but yeah, that well, comes well all I would say is instead of telling them what not to give you, tell them what to give you. Yeah. And, and so you're reframing it in a way where you're saying, Yes, I would love to celebrate the holidays with you. Here are some gifts I would love. Would you be willing to give some of your time to me? Would you be, able to be willing to make a donation to givewell.org in my name? 
Right. Would would you be willing to buy these concert tickets for us so we can go to this concert together? Would you be willing to have this experience with me? Would you be willing to get me some really great coffee? Because, man, I could really use something from Dogwood or, or Heart Coffee Roasters or Blue Bottle. Like, those coffees are a bit more expensive than your a- average uh, coffee at the grocery store, but I'll get so much more value out of it. Would you be willing to give me some sort of consumable like that? So reframe it instead of saying, don't give me this. I hate gifts. You don't want to be screwed. You can say, I love these types of gifts. Yes. Yes. That is much, a much better way to approach it. But that, you know, my, my, what really I'm trying to get at is like, I have set, uh, that, you know, that, that, that expectation with my friends and family in a very kind way. If they still go out of their way to do that, then like, then all I can, all I can think to myself is like, a, they're not respecting what I'm asking, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like, they have the right and the freedom to buy me something and give it to me. Um, and then I just look at it like, well, I have the right, yes, to do whatever I want with that gift. It's your thing. You don't need their permission to do anything with it. Exactly. After that point. In fact, when yeah, in fact, I know that they're giving me a gift to be happy. So they want me to be happy. And if my life is happier without that gift, then I'm sure that they would want me to find it a better home. I did that with my grandma when I was just visiting her a month or so ago. It was, she gave me paperweight. (laughs) Which is like a metaphor for a useless thing. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it was, it was really thought, it was really thoughtful. She's like, well, you know, I know you like, you, you do some writing and you know, you do a lot of, you you do a lot of different things. I'm sure you got a lot of papers and I, I didn't want to be like, no, this, this is a totally different world we live in now with everything is on my computer. Like I hardly have any notebooks or anything. Like I've got a little, like one of the tiny moleskins for taking notes with uh, mentoring clients. Yeah. That's about it. Right. Like I can't think maybe a legal pad with like some, you know, country song scribblings in it that Mariah and I have like, you know, collaborated together with, but, but for all intents and purposes, like I have nine, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of of my writings and stuff on my computer. Right. So I told my grandma, I'm like, I'm I'm not going to use this. I was like, you can hold on to it, or I can definitely find it a better home. So why is that paperweight on your computer right now? <laughs> I don't want it to blow away. <laughs> the paperweight to blow away. <laughs> oh man. So um, I, I think I think it's important to approach gift giving in a way that is caring and loving, but also expectation setting. As Ryan said, if people are still giving you gifts, you probably just haven't done a good enough job setting that expectation with them. Yeah. In most cases, and I do just want to reiterate because I feel like I haven't articulated this very well. You can set expectations like you just said, in a very kind and loving way. You don't go to someone and say, these are my expectations from here forward. <laughs> right, right. That's an ultimatum. And so, yeah, that's right. one thing you don't want to give is a gift-giving ultimatum. Uh, so, yeah, go back and listen to our gift-giving episode if you if you want more tips on on how to handle different gift situations and, and some other things that Ryan and I like to do to make gift-giving unique as well. All right, y'all, let's move on to our added value portion of the show. This is where we each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, what has added value to your life recently? You know, there's an app I downloaded. It's called... Nothing. Yes. <laughs> you should get it. <laughs> What's it, it do? It goes great with a salad. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's a it's like a wine app. Uh-huh. So like I'm horrible. At, I know, right? I'm horrible at 
like like there's like two wines I know I can get pretty much in any store. Uh-huh. And the only reason I know that is because uh, Sean Mahalik introduced me to one of them. Mariah's sister introduced me to another. I'm like, I can get those, and I know that they're going to be decent wines. Mm-hmm. Anytime I just like shotgun approach and like, oh, this one looks good. It's like usually not a good thing. So there's uh, this app called Vivino that like I will just pull out and it'll it you can take a picture of the wine label and it'll give rankings and flavor profiles, what it pairs with, so forth and so on. And then also if you're uh, at someone's you know dinner party or whatever and they have a really good bottle of wine, you can take a picture of it and then it stores it in your library. So mm-hmm. then like it starts to create and suggest like hey, based upon the wines that you really like. You know, here here are some other wines that you might like. So anyway, long story short, um, I think I talked about this. I don't What's know if it was called Vivino. Oh, the yeah. app is called Vivino. Yeah. Okay. V i v i n o. We'll put it in, we'll put it in the in the show notes. But but uh, I'm telling you, man. Like when I have a like a steak, uh huh, and like there's a really awesome like red wine with it. I was trying to think of a name of a red wine, but I can't think of, like. I don't know Merlot, but that I hate Merlot anyway. <laughs> when you when you have like a really nice wine with a steak, it totally it makes the steak taste better. Like it's it's unbelievable. So, Vivino is a great app if uh, for for any of you wine drinkers out there. I really I really get a lot of use out of it. Cool. Well, I got a few things here uh, for me. One is go to our Instagram page. I just posted this the other day. Um, <laughs> I'm recommending our Instagram no, page. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, someone named Brooks Weaver. Uh, did this Lego portrait of us. Oh, dude, that is... We, you it know was, we've hit the big time. It was so spot on. I mean, so if you, you if you look at your phone right now and, and you see the, the, the picture of me and Ryan standing next to each other, uh, I'm wearing uh, like a slate gray t-shirt and a black cardigan. Ryan is wearing a black t-shirt. He replicated this like exact although it looks like the villainous version of us like we're getting ready to take over the world uh and like the the ryan little statue has um stubble on it has the long hair and i've got the you know my hair i mean it it looks like my hair with the sideburns and everything i mean my cardigan even has two pockets like the pocket on the lego figurine now this isn't something you can buy it's just something you can look at and and sort of smirk and I think it's both hilarious and awesome. So thanks, yeah, Brooks, is, for creating that. And yeah, by the awesome. way, thank, we've been posting a lot of different uh, listener art on our Instagram page as well. So if you just tag us in uh, in your listener arts, people are like drawing out the words that we're using, some of the quotes from the podcast or quotes from the documentary. We'll repost a lot of our favorite uh, listener art or reader art there on our Instagram page as well. It's just at the minimalists. Also, Ryan, I'm going to recommend some new socks oh, that, nice. that, that I've been using. Sorry, I'm just looking at this picture of us. And I just got the mini Malists. Part, <laughs> <the knee. Yes. laughs> yeah, yeah. It's anyway, sorry. What about these new socks? <laughs> so, you know, we don't do advertisements and, and we're not going to. But I actually heard an advertisement for this company that was a compelling enough advertisement. And it's one of those rare cases where it's, it's good advertising because most advertisements suck. Uh, it's a company called Bombus. Have you heard of them? No. Bombus. So um, they make really high quality socks. They've sort of um, figured out how to rework the sock so that it's more sturdy and it doesn't get holes in the same place as it will. It also doesn't have that terrible seam that's really uncomfortable on your toes. 
and uh, they make nice striped socks uh, that I, you know. So I'll, I'll wear like the the purple and gray striped. How, how version. long have you had these? I'm just curious. I've had them for maybe a couple months now. Sweet. I'm yeah. just wondering because like I I usually get my socks. Actually, I won't even say where I get them, but. They wear out really quickly. So you and I did this clothing episode, and I didn't have any good socks to recommend other than the wool ones, which I don't want to wear in the summertime, yeah. uh, the thick wool socks that I have. So these are my new my new go-to. In fact, I'm getting rid of all of my other socks and checking out Bombas socks. Um, again, I, this is not an advertisement. I've heard them advertise elsewhere, but I just found value from it, so I don't have any sort of discount code or anything else to give you. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I can tell you that the cool thing that really got me, Ryan, is you know the whole Tom's model where, where Tom's donates a pair of shoes for every pair of shoes you buy? Yes. They donate, a, Bombas donates a pair of socks mm. for every pair of socks that you purchase. Very cool. And so if you purchase four pairs of socks, they're donating them usually to, to homeless people who have a, a really hard time getting socks because when you think about it, like when your socks wear out, you don't donate your your worn out socks. No, you're, you're not a jerk. You just you throw them out. You have seven holes in a pair I of also, socks. I also don't donate my worn out t-shirts either. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and um, but most people donate a lot of t-shirts because they don't end up wearing them till they're worn out. Right. Socks are a thing that we often wear until we wear out. That's an interesting sort of commentary too, right? Mm. Because the things we don't see, we're willing to keep wearing, but the other things we have to continue to buy new, 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 new. But anyway, they donate. So they've donated over 2 million pairs of socks to people in need. When you think about you know, a lot of homeless people that, that have a need for socks, they in fact, they often have to, it's really unfortunate, but they sleep with their shoes on. And so they're, they're not changing socks ever, and these socks are staying on. And it's a hygiene issue, it's a health issue, and it's a comfort issue as well. And so they donate a, a bunch of really great socks, over 2 million pairs so far. So I've got a lot of value awesome. from those. So. I just ordered some more this week. I'm replacing the rest of my, my sock collection. You brought up the coupon my code. My sock hoard. Yeah, my hoard of socks. Uh, you brought up the coupon code. I was telling Abe, uh, the, we had a game night on Sunday, just a couple days ago. And uh, I was like, dude, I've recommended your spices on our podcast. Uh -huh. I was like, I'd just be interested to know, like, you know, like if it actually, like, you know, helps you out or not. I'm like, they're awesome spices, but, you know, you're my buddy. And, like, it'd be cool if I could, you know, help you out with your business. And um, he was like, we should do like a coupon code or something. I'm like, no, dude, if I start throwing out coupon codes, people are going to be like, these guys are totally taking money for advertisements. But isn't that funny? Like he wanted to give a coupon code. And I'm like, no, dude, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where Ryan and I talk about what's going on in the lives of the mini Maoists. <laughs> God, that Lego thing was so good, man. Dude, genius. Uh, yeah, Dude. and I, well, I posted on social media. Some people were like responding, like, "Just Lego, just Lego." <laughs> yeah, that's punny um, right there. All right, so um, our documentary, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, is now on Netflix worldwide as of April first. So you can check that out if you have a Netflix account anywhere in this world. If you don't have a Netflix account, you can find all the other formats over at minimalismfilm.com it's on vimeo worldwide it's on itunes and google play in most countries and so you'll be able to have access to it from your preferred place it's also on amazon as well uh, also uh speaking of video you've probably noticed that ryan and i are doing a lot more video things these days whether it's the the facebook live or instagram live sessions. sometimes we'll we'll get in the car and we'll just start calling people and or we'll be at a conference table somewhere and we'll, we'll just 
start calling a lot of listeners. And uh, we've had some fun doing that on Instagram Live. But we're doing a lot more video on YouTube as well. So if, if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, it's just youtube.com slash The Minimalist. We have two web series that are going on right now. We're in the middle of posting those web series. The first one is called Simples, and it is an animated web series, a four-part web series, uh, really about just different types of intentional living. So we go through different, these different areas. The first one was about to-do lists and, and putting things off and, and instead doing things now. And uh, the next one was about money. And then we have one about love and one about junk, getting rid of your excess junk. And so that was appropriate for this clutter episode. The first two episodes, actually first three episodes are already out now, but you can subscribe and that will automatically show up. And then also the director of our documentary, Matt Diavella, it has this uh, web series that is going up on our page and his as well. It's called Making Minimalism. He goes behind the scenes of exactly how we spent three years of our lives creating this documentary called Minimalism, how we got the interviews, the mistakes we made, many of our failures, many of our successes, and how we went from an idea all the way to having over 10 million people watch this thing on Netflix. And so we hope you get a chance to check both of those out at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Minimalist. Also, one more time, Ryan and I are hitting the road. We are calling it the Less Is Now Tour. We're going to give a talk about minimalism. We're going to record a live version of this podcast, the Minimalist Podcast. And afterward, we have optional free hugs, book signing, and all, all that fun stuff. Also, um, there are still some VIP tickets left in some cities. I know a lot of you have been asking, what about these VIP events? What exactly is that? Well, A, it gets you the best seat in the house. So the VIP tickets are a bit more expensive just because they're much better seats in, in the venues. They're like right up front. But, but more important than that, they wanted us to do a, a meet and greet before these things. We, we didn't want to charge people to meet us because we always do like a meet and greet after the event anyway. We dish out hugs to everyone. You don't have to pay more money to, to get a hug from us. That'd be silly. So we're doing these intimate 45-minute uh, conversations, these discussions with these small groups of people, 40 or 50 people right before the event. And so the, the VIP tickets also get you that. But either way, we hope to see you out there on the road. It's 47 different cities over at lessisnow.com. Speaking of advertisements, Ryan, we think they suck, but you can still support this podcast by donating at theminimalists.com. Or you can just leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe and tell your friends about it. That also helps the show as well. You got anything else, Ryan? I've got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. You want some of those? Here you I'll go. I'll take it. Hey, my name is Kay from Bozeman, Montana. This is my tip for buying shoes. I recently listened to your clothing podcast, and it was interesting to hear all of your comments about shoes. Uh, I think it's worth the money to invest in a high-quality pair of shoes that will last for years. I also require, um, or I also would suggest uh, that people spend a lot of time looking for those shoes, shopping for those shoes, to find something that fits well and that they actually like. Again, it might cost more at the front end, but those shoes will last for a long time. I've had a few pair of brown boots. Uh, that I absolutely love and I have worn through over 10 years' time. Hi, my name is Chime Pasebek and Chime, and um, I just wanted to recommend a book called Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne and Lisa M. Ross, and it talks about similar things about how to parent simplistically. 
Um, and I also wanted to recommend Waldorf Education, W-A-L-D-O-R-F, founded by Rudolf Steiner. This kind of education, um, I'm a Waldorf teacher, and it really um, just aligns with a lot of the principles that you talk about, and I think it's a really great source, a really good choice for education if people want to live aligning with minimalist ideas. Hey, my name is Lauren, and I'm in Louisville, Colorado. I just wanted to leave a comment on something you brought up in your Unpleasant podcast, and I'd like to offer a little nugget to hopefully help you keep your peace a little bit when faced with others who are criticizing you. I'm a dietitian, so shout out to your partner, Josh. And as she knows, as dietitians, we know so well how nutrition can enhance your health and well-being. But we are constantly faced with people who are resistant to our message for a litany of reasons. Sometimes that resistance shows up as criticism. And I find that the important thing to remember is that everybody is in various stages of the change process. Your message in particular suits those that are at minimum just considering change. And there are many who are listening to you that aren't even considering the change, which is interesting because they're listening to your podcast. Oftentimes, that criticism that comes through for those folks masks an actual deep-down desire to make the change, but all they see are barriers, numerous types of barriers, and it just seems so overwhelming that instead of talking about it, they lash out. Once I, as a dietitian, began to realize that that kind of behavior is really a mask, I began to feel a lot less combative against them. It doesn't excuse that behavior or what's said at all, but for me, it often releases my reaction to it, kind of like Teflon. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also leave a voice memo over at podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes